What is it like to drive this car? Does it feel different than your other truck? <laughs> Does it feel different? Yeah, there's a major difference. I'm going from like basically like an AM radio to a full-on stereo. I mean, that's it's kind of like that. Um, it's well, you're gonna find out how quiet it is. Um, you'll, I'll show you how fast it is on the road. This is Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. We share a more in-depth take on the most popular stories from our print magazine, showcasing the territory's extraordinary people, culture, and outdoors. I'm your host, Karen McCall. I don't know about you, but I have mixed feelings about trucks. On the one hand, they're pretty useful for toting around gear, people, bikes, firewood. On the other hand, they're big gas guzzlers. And the way gas prices are today? Ouch. Today I'm speaking to one Yukoner who doesn't have to worry about fuel prices anymore. Greg Karias has a new electric Ford Lightning Lariat. Greg is also the owner of North of Ordinary Media and publisher of Yukon North of Ordinary Magazine, so that makes him my boss of sorts. And yes, this episode was his idea. Greg is really excited to talk about his new wheels, and I admit, I'm curious what e-trucks could mean for the Yukon and the world at large. Could we be on the brink of a revolution? Let's be real, though, for a second. Electric vehicles are on the pricey side, and e-trucks are, well, you'll find out. Greg is going to try his best to convince me that dropping all this cash on a truck was a solid purchase. If you're curious about electric vehicles in the Yukon generally, and how our grid is going to support them, listen to our previous episode, Will Electric Vehicles Blow Up the Grid? It's a sunny fall day in Whitehorse, and I head down to Shipyards Park to meet Greg and his truck. Greg, congratulations on your new truck. Lucky me. <laughs> how long have you had it for? About a month now. How long did you wait for it? I think a couple of years. I actually didn't bother to look back, but I the first day that they had reservations for them, I was, I think, the second person a Whitehorse to call. Wow. Okay. You're on it. We're going to talk about why you made this decision in a moment. But first of all, uh, we're standing in lovely Shipyards Park in Whitehorse uh, beside this fancy schmancy truck. Can you just uh, tell me about it from, let's start from the outside. Like it, to me, it looks kind of like a regular F-150 kind of truck. It is an F-150 electric truck. It's a 2022 version. It's a vehicle, but it's an amazing vehicle. It's basically kind of like a giant computer on wheels. Um, it's got all kinds of fancy functions. Like, And I don't know if any of this stuff works with other vehicles other than the frunk, but the frunk opens up, and the frunk is a trunk. And what that is is 400 liters of space. You can put 400 pounds in there in the front of the vehicle. And there's lots of power. There's USB, USB-C. And over here, not that you can see this on camera, but there's 2.4 kilowatts maximum power to power a chop saw, a table saw, that sort of thing. Hold on. Let's just back up a sec. What the heck is a frunk for the unawares? It's the front trunk. Where there, where there was an engine, there's no longer an engine. There's storage space. Okay, so we're basically lifting up what people would normally know as the hood, where you'd see all the, yeah, all the engine and stuff. And instead, it's this extra storage container because there is no engine. And you said there's a bunch of plug-ins here. So, like, your car acts as one big... Uh, battery bank. Is that what you're saying? Mobile generator. It'll power my house if I actually put the effort in to do that, which we will. 
Uh, we're going to talk more about this this beast capabilities in a moment. But here's the front. So how many? I don't know. You said how many leaders? But at this point, a couple of guys walk by. To them, it looks like the hood is up. What, what was he asking? He, was he like, asked if we're having engine trouble. And oh. He said, you don't even have an engine. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so the size of the frunk, like like I could get in there. Yes, and if you did get in there, Karen, there's a magic button over here. So you can get out of here if you're trapped in there. Okay, so if kids are playing around and they're like, let's get in the frunk, then no, they're no, not going to get no trapped. No more hostage taking. No more hostage taking in the frunk. Okay, this is good. So this is the frunk. So where? So where's the battery? I don't know exactly where the battery is, but the battery is underneath the vehicle. It's, I believe, 131 kilowatts of power, usable power. And what that means is you kind of equate it to the average house in the U.S. would use about 30 kilowatts of power. So essentially... In, in, in what period of time? A day. Good point. About 30 kilowatts of power a day. So this could technically power your house for three or four days if in the event of an emergency at full charge. Wow. That's pretty cool. And that is part of the future of that people don't understand with electric vehicles is that these become part of the solution to the problems we have with the grid because they're, they'll be able to put power back and forth into the grid. So uh, let's walk around the back of the truck well, here. Why don't we go to the side here? Because right here is the charging port. The charging port is what you would otherwise think of as the gas cap. So the top one here, I can charge that into my house and I can do fast charging. Um, the chargers we have here in Whitehorse, the flow chargers are 50 kilowatt chargers. So this one will max out at about 48.6 kilowatts an hour at high speed. When it gets to about 90%, it's going to slow down to about 14, 12, 10 kilowatts an hour. The last 10% is really slow. So what does this mean to me? How long does it take to charge your truck with a fast charger? I mean, I, obviously you're not charging it from zero. Not from zero. I mean, there's so many variables with cold, warmth, where your battery's at. But generally, if I put an hour at the charger, I'm good for a day or two. But I often stay longer at the charger because I believe I'm 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 a half tank full. Not a, I don't drive below a half tank when I have a gasser, mm -hmm. which I will never have again. And do you also have a charger at your home that you uh, would plug into? Not yet because we're building a shop at our at the house where we're moving to. But that's going to be uh, we, Ford supplied us with like I think it's an 82 kilowatt charger. So we have to do a little bit of wiring for that. But it's essentially a fast charger at home. We walk around to the back of the truck where Greg shows me more fancy plugins of various types. There, there's more power over here. If you want to reach over here, Karen, you can see that there's, what does that say? 2.4 kilowatt max AC. There is more AC and then there is uh, like a, a welding type plug. I don't know what they call it. So there's more power in this truck for contractors, which is what they've kind of designed it for. Okay, so you're sort of a contractor but not not in the sense of building stuff so why the heck did you get this truck because i move a lot of magazines i move a lot of clothing truck is a lot more convenient in my life for sure uh but also i want to prove to people that it works here in the north there's a lot of skepticism towards these vehicles and they work and they work well yes in the winter time they don't get the charge or the distance that you would in the in the summer months but it it's good enough for here like the average yukoner drives 22 kilometers a day white horse person and it works for that it works and if you look around this parking lot there are not a lot of trucks today but there's a lot of trucks in white horse <laughs> yes that's actually uh that's sort of the point of this podcast is that there are a lot of trucks in podcast and are we at the beginning <laughs> there's, not a lot of, there's a lot of trucks in the yukon and are we at the beginning of an electric truck revolution here 
we don't have a choice. All those people that say they'll never drive electric truck are either. We just hopped into the car because uh, my recording device lost power, but luckily we have been able to plug it in here in the truck. So we're sitting inside the Ford Lightning Lariat, and we were just chatting about uh, how we might be seeing more electric trucks in the Yukon soon. I actually don't think soon because there's production problems with these things. I believe I'm going to hang up on Molly Lang. Bye. Um, I believe there's about 6,000 of these trucks in the U.S. right now. For So for for me to have one of these and there's only three in Whitehorse, I'm in a pretty good position. Like I'm, I'm lucky to be able to have this and drive it. But with production issues, COVID, 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 my gut feeling is we're not going to really be seeing these till 2024 when production ramps up and all these things pass through with COVID and who knows, supply chain issues, war in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so you're one of three electric truck owners of, of this particular truck anyway in the Yukon. What kind of reaction are you getting from other people around town who are noticing like, oh, hey, this is an electric truck? One reaction would be like the guy we saw here asking if we had car problems and then you realize there's no engine. If I put the front up when I'm somewhere like loading stuff in and out, I try and get it down as quickly as possible so I don't have to talk to a lot of people. People are really curious about that for sure. Most people are impressed with it. Um, they get excited about the giant iPad at the front of it. But at the end of the day, it is a truck and I like driving it. I'm, I'm lucky to drive it for a lot of reasons, but it's a people mover. So I don't want to get too excited about the sense of like, oh, wow, I'm driving an electric truck. I'm driving a vehicle and it's the future of vehicles. And I really just want people to know that they work here. That's, that's a big part of it. Same, same why I drove a Chevy Bolt and got one of those in 2019. Literally with these vehicles, with 150, 60,000 kilometers of driving with them, it's windshield washer fluid and tires. Yes, there's been some recalls. It's expected. It's a new technology, but it's, um, nothing goes wrong with them. A lot of people are probably kind of interested in the idea of an electric truck, but let's be honest, not everyone can afford one. Like what's the, what's the sticker price on this, this truck? It was a bit to swallow. It's a $102,000 vehicle. That said, there's a lot of $102,000 vehicles, and I didn't lay $102,000 on the counter. I can assure you that. Um, the payments, I, I stretched out the payments. The interest rates are cheaper with the dealerships than they are at the banks for sure. Um, it is about $640 biweekly. So it's not a lot. And I, you know, I've had this vehicle for less than a month, within a couple of days of a month, and I've got 6,237 kilometers on it. The previous vehicle I was driving was a 2008 Dodge Ram 1500. I was getting 15 to 16 liters per 100 kilometers on that vehicle, driving slow because I'm pretty tight wide when it comes to wasting fuel. That's over 900 liters, and it's a buck 85 a liter for gas right now. If you do the math on that, I'm somewhere ahead of the game. I would have spent close to like $1,800 on fuel. That's well below, above what my payments are. So. The first month is essentially free compared to, to what I would have spent on fuel that I didn't have to. And obviously you're doing a lot of uh, driving around. You're driving around merchandise or magazines or something. Yeah. yeah, I'm driving magazines. I've been to Beaver Creek twice there and back. I ran out of energy on the way back. Don't tell anyone. It was embarrassing, but not. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's just talk about this for a second. How did, because if you run out of gas on the highway, you know, you flag someone down with a jerry can and you know hope they can fill you up or whatever so what do you do if you run out of energy on the highway out here well you first off think how stupid am i 
Um, actually, it was not. Um, I was coming back from Beaver Creek, and what I so to to go back a little bit, I thought I had the right tools to charge in an RV park at 30 amp. I didn't. So what I learned about RV parking camping is each transformer out of sight is 30 amp, but it's only 15 amp. So you would have to have two RV 30 amp plugs coming into one cord to get a full 30 amp, which would be seven times faster than charging on a 110 cord, which is super slow. Like you could take three days to charge. So I kind of stopped. I'm like, okay, I got 220. I can coast downhill because going into Haynes Junction, I figured I'd get a good chunk of power back there. Not really true. The, the, the Ford F-150 is very aggressive when you put it in drive and take your foot off the gas. It, it charges back very quickly, but you don't get as much as the, as a Chevy Bolt, which is superior in that, in that way. Greg's referring to something called regenerative braking. It applies to all EVs. It means when the brakes are used, some charge goes back into the battery. So what happens basically, you get down and you're you're watching your kilometers and you're driving at 50 kilometers an hour. It was a very slow trip back. But I, I wanted to see what this would do. So this was part of the plan. Once it got down to 15 kilometers, it ran out. of. It went from 15, 14, 13, 12 really quickly. And the propulsion went down to like maybe 20 kilometers an hour. I stopped with three kilometers an hour left thinking that probably wise idea, which it was. Um, got out of the car. I had a tow rope anyway because I... I it's going to happen sooner or later to everybody. Um, first vehicle stopped. Ironically, it was our folks from the um, the research center who were in North of Ordinary. And they were like, oh, so they were really happy to help out and, and very gracious too and, and thankful. So they gave me a tow. Um, I thought I'd be able to charge, but while well, I was being towed, and you have to be very careful about that for two reasons. One, you can burn out the motors on the, on the, on the wheels. And two, it's kind of aggressive again. So you're actually holding back the other truck when you're braking. So, so mostly held in neutral. We got to the top of the, the pass and I was able to coast 10, 12 kilometers down. I didn't gain any power going down. They ended up towing me, um, through Haynes Junction, which was like the toe of shame. Absolutely. Just covering my eyes and ducking like I was in the back of a cop car when I was a kid, <laughs> which I have been. And, and we got to the, to the, uh, the charging station there and it, charged just fine there was i don't think there was any damage to the vehicle or like to the battery or the electronics or anything everything was fine and i took a nap you know two hours later i took something like 109 kilowatts before i left because the last 10 percent super slow charging and it was fine so that was it um but i have this fancy nancy plug here now had i turned left into whitehorse to get my mail i would have had this little plug here again i don't know what it is but it's a it plugs into like a welding machine. I could have easily stopped at Discovery Yukon Lodge, which runs their, their operation by diesel generator. I know that's sacrilegious, but I could have charged there on the way. And we're in the Yukon where you don't have the infrastructure that they have down south. But this this little fancy unit here would have got me through to charge enough to get back to Haynes Junction without running out of power. So it's basically adapters so that you could plug into a more typical power source. Yeah, and there's a plethora of, of adapters that I'm going to collect just so we see how they work. So, because there's lots of different plugs out there when you look for it. I never noticed it before. So. Uh, what I wouldn't have given to see you being towed through Haynes Junction. <laughs> <laughs> it was dark. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Okay, great. So that's your experience of running out of battery power. Um, take take that as a warning, EV drivers. Um, okay, so you drove a lot. You drove an exceptional lot in your first month of owning this car. So you like sort of, you know, paid off the first month. Do you see this as overall like a truck that you will... Greg, you're too popular.
We're talking to a man who doesn't know how to put his phone on do not disturb. You need some boundaries in your life. I'm surprised you know how to turn it off. Do you see this car or this truck as a sound financial investment in the long term? And noting also that you live out of town, so you're also driving, you know, what, extra kilometers every day. But but do you see this actually sort of paying itself off over time? Absolutely. Um, so before your little fancy podcasting thing ran out of power, I have to bring that up. Um, we were talking about I put 6,300 kilometers on this truck by the end of the day here. I've saved myself like basically 1600 bucks in fuel and most people driving a vehicle are making car payments anyway. So that's a sound decision month one. Granted, December, I'm not going to be whipping up and down the highway, but come May, March or come May, I'm going to be driving a lot of miles with our Chevy Bolt. I put on 150,000 kilometers in almost exactly three years with the Dodge Ram this summer. I put on 13,000 kilometers doing business with that thing this summer. So that was pricey to drive. So I'd, I wish I had this truck at peak fuel prices this year. It would have made huge savings for us. What kind of research did you do before buying this truck? I was in Seattle and drove to Portland with my brother in his Tesla. And it was kind of like having an iPad in your ha- in your hands the first time. And you go, I get it. It's the technologies there. The research, um, driving the Chevy Bolt. Basically, you realize all they need is windshield washer fluid and tires. And yeah, you're going to get cracked windshields and all that sort of stuff up here. There is no maintenance. It's very little. There were some factory recalls on the Bolt, but that's new technology. I'm cool with that. There's going to be factory recalls on this one too. So research, none. I believe in the technology after driving a Bolt. It Hands down, the best vehicle I've ever had was the Chevy Bolt. This one's just bigger and fancier. I know you you often do a lot of uh, research and reading. I'm wondering, it seems like every day in the news we hear about um, like all the mining needs that will be required to produce these batteries. Is, is that something that you also considered? I have never once heard anybody with a DeWalt toolkit worried about lithium or your watch or your laptops. That stuff's going to be out there for sure. I don't believe electric vehicles are the be-all, end-all. I think it's just a stepping stone. But to think that the diesel engine or a gasoline engine has been around for 100 years and we haven't evolved, that's that's crap. Like, it really is. So we'll give these things 20, 30 years, and I'll bet we'll be into hydrogen before then. I bet hydrogen comes out sooner. And that's more of an answer. But the real answer is moving people is just a dirty business. Moving freight is a dirty business. We simply need mass transportation like here in Whitehorse I even if I I do drive I mean I have a big truck as well a a diesel truck I should be paying a tax to subsidize the busing system in this in Whitehorse we should have the best busing system cities in general should be putting money into buses and transportation for mass transportation vehicles are not the answer I look I look around Whitehorse and, and we're at Shipyards Park here right now and let's say there's 60 vehicles in this parking lot here that's 60 vehicles we don't have a housing crisis in this in this city. We have like a land crisis and we dedicate so much to vehicles. So so this truck is not a solution. It's it's a band-aid solution is what it is. Uh, it's a fall day in Whitehorse, but we're sitting in a truck and it's quite warm. I've heard that these trucks have heating and cooling in the seat. Does it have cooling in your truck too? If I turn the heat on, I'm going to... Well, there's the heat seat. So yeah. <gasps> is this the cold That's seat? That's like you yourself. Yeah. Oh my the, gosh. Yes. So in Whitehorse, we basically hardly ever need a cooled seat. My wife used it yesterday. She loved it. 
<laughs> I mean, probably most modern cars or like, you know, high tech cars will have seat heaters and coolers. But anyways, it's kind of a, it's kind of a joy to experience. Um, yeah, that was nice. OK, so I'd like to go for a drive in a moment. First, um, like, what is it like to drive this car? Does it feel different than your other truck? <laughs> Does it feel different? Yeah, there's a major difference. I'm going from like basically like an AM radio to a full on stereo. I mean, that's it's kind of like that. Um, it's well, you're going to find out how quiet it is. Um, you'll, I'll show you how fast it is. There's no comparison from this to any other truck on the road. Uh, other than it's a 150, it's not a 350, it's not a 550. So obviously it has limitations with weight. So, um, but we're going to go for a ride. Yes, we're going to go for a ride. But I'm also curious, I heard that the gas pedal is different. Like I'm picturing it's kind of like a golf cart where like <laughs> you push, I guess it's not called the gas pedal. I guess it's called the accelerator. Is that what you call it? I, I hit a pedal. I've never really thought about that, but it's a gas pedal to me. I mean, it's it's an energy pedal. <laughs> okay, so you hit your energy pedal, but the thing that I read about these trucks is that when you release the pedal, like in a gas car, you would keep going, but in an e-car, it, it doesn't break you, but it basically pulls off the, the momentum of the car. Have you experienced that? Totally. Okay, so with the Chevy Bolt, going back to that, it has drive and it has low. If you keep it in drive, the car will decelerate and charge at the same time, but it won't actually come to a complete stop. It'll go one, two kilometers an hour. If you drive in low, it's very aggressive and it comes to a quick stop. Meaning if you're in drive, say, it's, for example, the number's going to be wrong, but it's going to decelerate and you're going to gain 15, 18, 20 kilowatts of power as it comes to a stop. If you're in low, which is like the Ford is in comparison, you're going to gain like 60 kilowatts really quick and come to a much quicker stop. So it's going to 60, 50, 40, whatever, until it stops. And it's aggressive. Was that something to get used to at first? Uh, yeah, you get used to it, but I don't really use the brakes because I've pretty much got it pegged when I need to take my foot off the gas pedal and we'll come to a full stop. Occasionally use your brakes. Some people are having problems because they don't use their brakes enough and they get a thousand dollar bill because there's rust all over their brakes and calipers. So you still have to use your brakes in these vehicles just to keep the brakes uh, maintained. Okay, cool. Yeah. Should we go for a drive? Let me just say that I was, I was like worried that you were going to ask me if I wanted to try your car and I was like, I don't know if I want to drive a $100,000 truck, to be honest. So I'm glad that you haven't offered that. So I'm, I'm good. I was just about to offer you that. <laughs> but, but before I go, I have to, I just got an alert that the power in the front is open. So I have to close the lid. I'll be right back. <laughs> Time for a short break. We'll be right back. I might put a shameless plug in to subscribe to North of Ordinary Magazine. One year is only 1995. Oh, 1898. Is it? It's terrible. It's twenty five dollars for one year. Two year subscriptions are cheaper. And also, if you get two hundred dollars of merchandise, don't you get a free magazine subscription? No, if you come into the store and buy a hoodie, for either sixty four ninety five at current prices, but inflation is hitting us like freight charges like crazy. Uh, buy any hoodie, and you will get a one year free subscription anywhere in Canada. And now back to the episode. Greg is going to let me drive. But he's going to take the first shift. Before we go, over here, it says 259 kilowatts of range. And I'm probably about 70%. Sorry, doesn't it say 259 kilometers? Sorry, kilometers. Sorry, I apologize. Kilometers of range right now. This vehicle here, I'm doing mostly highway driving. And I'm getting an honest 400 kilometers per tank, per whatever, charge, however you want to describe it. If I was in the city, which I'm never going to drive around Whitehorse to find out. I'm not going to drive around that much. 
people are reporting 500 kilometers range, which is pretty respectable for a vehicle this size. I believe I believe this thing is about 7,000 pounds. It's not a light vehicle. So it's saying 259 kilometers because you're a it's expecting city driving, and b you're not fully charged. Correct. It's probably it's below 75 percent. I'm averaging 29 kilowatts per hundred kilometers city driving and taking off like a rocket once in a while because people want to see how fast it is. Um, I don't actually do that a lot because it's unnecessary. But passing vehicles is incredibly safe in these vehicles because you pass and you get out of their way and you stay in the left lane. And you're not throwing rock chips out of them. Wait, I don't understand. Why, why, why is that different than a regular car? You'll see. Okay. Right. Famous words. So we're in drive. Oh, we're on. I, th- I was like ready for you to start it, but oh. let's, just, let's just have a moment of silence so we can hear what on sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like off. Okay. Okay. My son had said when we got the bolt, it sounds like the sky train, which is kind of cool. We'll go through town. There's two fast charging stations in Whitehorse. Both of them are 50 kilowatts. I'm not sure if it was a hundred kilowatt station, I know I'm going to charge a lot faster. I believe it, it's going to max at about 80 kilowatts an hour, which is making your charging time a lot faster. I don't know the correct answer to that. Somebody can correct me on that. Has has that been a kind of annoying sometimes charging it? Like if you don't plan ahead and then like the other day when you then had to hang out in Haines Junction for two hours? I don't find it a problem at all. One of the things I really like about this vehicle is the armrest here. The the little stick shift folds down automatically and the armrest comes out and it gives a really nice desk. My back isn't twisted. I work in my vehicle a lot. Look at Nissan Leaf. Um, I work in my vehicle a lot so I actually get desk time when I'm charging, so I find that to be an advantage. And there is a bit of a cultural change with these vehicles that Whitehorse hasn't figured it out yet. They will, most places have. You put charging stations near coffee shops or grocery stores, you're going to go into stores where you can charge and do your thing. So that works. But really, for the most part, I think people are going to be charging at home at night, and they'll never go to a gas station again, which I find so, like, 1980s. Like, why do you want to be outside freezing your fingers, putting gas in your vehicle? It's just, I'm past that. Yeah, Whoa, we're accelerating. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in a space. What? 160 what? 116 kilometers an hour. So We got up to 116 kilometers an hour? 3.6 seconds from zero to 100. So I'll do it once more for you, okay? <laughs> There's 107. There's 110. So, but if you do that, it's going to eat up your power. And it is like a roller coaster. I mean, you're laughing still. <laughs> so, that was like a roller coaster. It is. It does put your stomach in your throat or your throat in your stomach, however. But that's the beauty of passing vehicles is you just get out of a vehicle from behind a vehicle and you get in front of them quickly. Impressive. It, ma- it maxes out at, I believe, 178 kilometers. I have not found that out yet. And that's true. So here's the thing. Usually, you know, if you're in a truck and you accelerate, you get the big, loud muffler noise along with it. Um, is it do you feel like there's less satisfaction without that noise? <laughs> Wait, we, we, sorry. We couldn't see the look you gave me through the radio. <laughs> it was a bit of an eye roll, exasperation. Uh, my wife is convinced if they can sell a little, like, Jetsons jetpack where it goes boop, 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 as we accelerate, that it would be very popular. But no, the noise, I, I've actually heard people say like, oh, I'm going to, I'd miss the noise of a vehicle. No, you won't. You won't. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's really all about when you got your first car in the 1980s or whenever you got your first car, you're 17 years old and you get in your car and you're like, oh, look at the stereo system. It's got like AM, FM and a CD player. Oh, look at the nice speakers. 
this ride is so comfortable now it really is about the stereo because when you're on the highway it's quiet it's an incredible sound system and it's just really comfortable like it's it's beautiful um, the windows are fogging up because I'm too cheap to run the fan I'm, I'm always I'm a bit of an energy miser so yeah we can turn the heat on here and we'll turn the fan up but I'm, I'm a bit of a tightwad when it comes to power I shouldn't be but I am Right, because everything you run on this car is using more power. Exactly. You run the heater, you're going to use more power. I think with the Chevy Bolt, it used... In the summer, I averaged about 17 kilowatts an hour. Winter driving year-round, it was about 25 kilowatts um, an hour with heat. Heated seats, air coming out. And no, I do, obviously I don't know what this is like in the wintertime, but I fully expect to go from... 400 highway to probably 220 240 um, because of the use of power and just they don't like cold they don't like the cold environment but we can overcome that in the Yukon with more charging stations and the fact is I don't want to drive at minus 35 anyway it's just dangerous if something goes sideways it goes sideways quickly and you have problems so yeah I don't drive at minus 40 so it's kind of a non-issue and any gasser any diesel vehicle loses a lot of energy as well in the winter time whereas you know, the, the argument would be an electric vehicle, 100% of that energy goes into motion. And there's a thing here I can show you how much goes to the apps and the outside temperature on here if I can find it. But you you plug in a car and a block heater in the wintertime, a gasser, and that heat's going to the block only. If I plug it into my car and using 1500 watts like a, a block heater is, I'm actually producing heat for the battery and I'm gaining mileage at the same time. So there's less waste that way as well. Yeah, I just, I don't understand. I think the people that are against these things that really don't have a clue what they're talking about is what it comes down to. You also mentioned, so the, yeah, the, the power capabilities of these, you can run all sorts of machines off them. You can power like things in your house if you run out of power. Like this is just, yeah, one big, one big battery pack. That's pretty useful. Yeah. And I have um, run uh, a chop saw in the back uh, the truck using the power there there was no hesitation cutting wood with the chop saw it it puts out power real yukoner puts the chop saw and <laughs> charges it off their ev <laughs> well, i i didn't measure properly but whatever we don't need to talk about the end product <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna host the podcast for a moment and you're going to drive it. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about you driving an EV for the first time. Have you driven an EV before? Uh, I drove your, e your Chevy Bolt, I think years ago, but I only drove it about a hundred meters. Ah, okay. Well, here we go. We'll just let you turn around here and we'll do this. Okay. We're switching over. Eek. We're recording. This yeah. is your host, Greg Karias with your. I'm definitely, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. So I'm going to need the seat cooler on. How do we do that? We're going to go over here. We're going to press My seat heater. I like a warm But Where would you like to go? Should we go back this way? Let's go left. Whee! I don't drive a truck very often, but like if I borrow a friend's truck or something, I'm often like very aware of how much gas it's using because you can just feel the engine working. But this is just like a little, oops, I'm speeding. Um, just like a little, yeah, like a little go-kart or something, except it's big. It's not a go-kart. <laughs> it's not a go-kart. Look, we're passing our first gas station. And I don't need to stop. I never will. Yeah, what I'm really noticing is when I take my foot off the gas, it's like, whoa, like we really, yeah, we really decelerate quickly. It's, it's almost like putting your foot on the brake. 
Like, I could see why you don't need to use the brake very often. Which I guess is good. Like, it does save the brakes. As you said, you, you still need to use them occasionally, but... Very seldom. But yet, so on the Chevy Bolt with 148, 50,000 kilometers on it, I took it in not too long ago and had the brakes checked on it out of curiosity. And they were like a 85% or something like that after that many kilometers. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So I'm just trying to find out... What, oh, there's one thing I really like about this vehicle. If you look here beside your driver's seat, there's a little pocket along the uh, the center console. There's a little little pocket down there. That catches all the crumbs from my food. <laughs> it's true. I think if, if a car company could actually have something that you could, where your food, your crumbs, your french fries and stuff fall down the side and you could get it easy instead of going onto the carpet, that would be a win. That, that's a game changer. Okay, so now you're like, what, 10 kilometers into driving an electric vehicle. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is feels like a very nice vehicle. I definitely, from the trucks I've driven before, I I enjoy the sensation of the non-gas more and the power and, yeah. I mean, other than, like, the price tag for me, I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of money for sure, but that that's also spread over a number of years. And what people don't understand about, you spent 102 grand on, yeah, mom, I did. And, you know, they get, my mother was a little concerned about that. Um, but the thing is, you're basically forward paying your gas and your maintenance bill because the maintenance is so limited and the gas is, you're not doing it. Like, I've already saved 1600 bucks in fuel my first month. Um, I'm glad I asked you for a raise. <laughs> the only reason you're getting a raise is because I'm saving money on fuel. Hey, any reason's a good reason. <laughs> anyway, it's just, I, I think it's more of a, it's a driving experience. I think I think the word experience is fair to use with with EV vehicles, and with with this truck in particular, with the number of highway miles it gets, it's going to get. It is an experience, and you know you haven't even heard the sound system. There's no point in putting that on a podcast, but it's so enjoyable. The music is just, it's a ten. Oh look, we're just passing the Yukon North Oregon store located on the second corner of Second and Steel, across from Klondike Rib and Salmon Bake in City Hall, where you can find fine hoodies, T-shirts. Ball caps, toques, mugs, stickers, and magnets, and more. Open 10 to late daily. <laughs> I couldn't say it better. We'll switch over. Uh, well, great, Greg. Thanks so much for uh, the tour and letting me drive your fancy schmancy truck. Well, thanks for not trashing it. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. Please share this episode and leave us a review. It really helps. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our print magazine by going to northofordinary.com. While you're there, check out Yukon North of Ordinary merchandise. And for a full product line, visit the Bricks and Mortar store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street, across from City Hall. There's a great selection of clothing, hats, stickers, glassware, and more. Do you have something to say about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at North of Ordinary. You can also contact me, Karen McCall, with feedback or story ideas. Editor at northofordinary.com is my email. Thanks to the whole team at North of Ordinary Media. Our podcast artwork is by art director Manu Kegenhoff. Our music is by Head Candy and tribeofnoise.com. Thanks for listening. We have another episode coming out soon. I hope you listen in. All right, I'm going to get in the frunk and we're going to test the release button. Hold on, let me just make it.
Okay, there's a, is it, can I use this as a no, step? No, don't. Oh, that's, that's the grill. Oh, well, there's a step on the back. Why isn't there a step? Okay, I'm getting into the front. I better get in so that I can reach the button. Okay. The light stays on Hopefully nobody calls the cops. Okay, okay. Hold on. Are you ready? Yeah. Ah, scary. You, Karen, are you ready? I'm ready. Of course, it's an automatic close. Watch your fingers. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Greg is a bit scared. <laughs> oh, and then it opens on its own too. Yeah, that was great. It's quite yeah. spacious. Is it, could you sleep in there? Um, I mean, if I had to, <laughs> but not very comfortably. <laughs>